0: Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. I want to talk to you tonight about it's a matter of worship. It's a matter of worship. Or the issue of worship is is another way to look at it. But let's look at 1 Chronicles 13. It says this, and we'll skip around through the verses. You can see which ones I'm going with. But it says... And let us bring the ark of our God back to us. For we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Ahio, drove the cart. Then David and all Israel played music before God with all their might, singing on harp, string instruments and tambourines and cymbals and with trumpets. In fact, when you study this out, when they was bringing the ark back, they would, you can go and be seated. I will, I'll keep you standing too long. But I, I just got to stop there for a moment. They would take six paces. That means if you're a golfer, you know what a yard is. People say, how long is this? Well, let me step it off. i played enough golf. don't play no more. But I know I can step off my golf steps. I know it pretty good. So I, just imagine six good golf pacing steps if you've ever golfed or you played it and, and you're used to that. But that's what they would do. And they would stop and they would do sacrifices. And in today's animals, it would be like millions of dollars of how many bulls and goats and things that they would slaughter every six paces while they was playing instruments. I mean, they'd be, it was a worship service. And can you imagine every six paces for like a couple miles, they would stop and worship. And then all of a sudden, something began to happen. And it says, when they came to Chidon's stretching floor, Uzzah put his hand to hold the ark because they had hit something to begin to stumble and he had put his hand upon it, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And he struck him and he put his, when he put his hand to the ark, and he died there before God. So David would not move the ark with him into the city of God, but took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, and the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord, that, then the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Now, this is pretty cool. That they, it, well, the death of it's not cool, but they said when the ark has stopped, that that is the presence of God. And that's God's glory. It's his weight. According to, looking at the Hebrew, it's what glory means, the weight and the heaviness of God but they had to leave it there for three months and rethink this thing out. Someone just died. Uh, if it starts stumbling, just let it fall, guys, or you all better hold it up good, but don't touch the ark. In other words, what that means is that not just anybody can touch God's glory any way they want. Right. And there's a lot of people that tag God's presence to things that God's presence is not tagged to. Or they try to enter God's presence in ways that they should not try to enter. And, and it just shows us a type and shadow is that you cannot just carry God's glory any way you want to. When God places a mantle upon your life, the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, then you walk according to as the Holy Spirit calls you to walk, right? I mean, I, I believe this is that we don't earn anything as far as like our salvation. We know we don't earn it. It's freely given. Do you realize you don't earn healing and you don't earn righteousness and that it's all already been done what we do is we possess it through faith but that doesn't justify us living any way we want to that's why the holy spirit's in our life and he convicts us he he speaks to our heart he leads he guides us and, and sometimes we do a really good job listening if you're like me i feel like most of the time i do pretty good but every now and then i don't always do the best job listening But David is this beloved king of Israel. They had not seen the ark in over 20 years or inquired about it since the ark was taken. And he's the beloved king. He is the greatest king. Even in this day, he is revered by Israel as the greatest king. Even when Jesus was up on the earth, because he was from the lineage of David, then we see it. And and the guy that preached Sunday for us, our intern, he talked about blind Bartimaeus. Thou son of David, have mercy upon us. They would even refer to Jesus as the son of David. But David is the beloved king because he is the very story that we all want to watch on Netflix or on the newsreel. He went from rags to riches. He was the forgotten son that was not even good enough. They had seven sons they brought before Jesse uh, to to anoint as the new king. And none of them was it. And he's like, is there anybody else? Well, yeah, I have an eighth son. I have a a son that he's out there and he smells like sheep and he's with them. He's, you know, he's he's that guy. He's who we put out there. And and so he went from rags to riches because of his heart. Because when he was by himself, he worshipped. He didn't wait to get with people to worship. But even in his intimate times, he had a regard to God with worship. Worship is so close to my heart. Uh, Number one that it is is because it is a lifestyle that every day, every breath you take, every time you talk to people, every time you put your hands to something, every word you speak is still in an act of worship. The Bible says that when you get saved, you're no longer your own, but that you've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. So your life is sacrificed. So we think of worship in spirit, and that's what we're doing here tonight, is that we come together and we gather, but then there's a worship in truth as well as we find in John 4. But worship is a lifestyle, it's the way that we live, that every moment we are still regarding God in every moment in which we live. And David is charged, after Ben King, of restoring worship. Now, once David does bring this art back, he begins to dance before the Lord with all of his might in such a way that his wife, who was Saul's daughter, her name was Michael or Mikael, however you want to say it. Uh, I hear preachers say it different ways. But, anyways, that she actually was embarrassed because of the way he danced. And Kristen probably feels about that about me when I sing. <laughs> that I can dance. not am just joking. But, you know, she, 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 she knows that my voice is awful, and I love to sing, so it's just one of those things that her and Ethan make fun of me on. But we find David, he looked at her when she was embarrassed, and he was so thrilled to be with the presence of God because he had worshipped in truth for years, and yes, there's moments he had the manifest presence of God in his life, but this time he had the glory of God back, to the nation in which God had called the glory to be in Israel, so he began to dance. And when she got mad and told him to quit, she's embarrassed. He said, "It's gonna get even more undignified than this." You think this is crazy? Listen, I'll get really crazy. Is what he was saying. He said, "I'll dance like like it's illegal and I want to get caught." Type of dance. And and he had a heart of worship about him. So David, here he is, just just a man of worship and. We have to understand before there was ever sin, there was worship. Now think about that. See, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher, I'm an encourager, counselor, whatever you want to call, you know, part of what I do. Administrator, all those things, this is cool, that's that's good, those are calls in my life. But before I'm called to any of those, I'm called to be a worshiper. Because I get to preach because humanity failed So I preached the gospel. But before there was even humanity, there was worship in heaven. When it's all said and done and God's kingdom is fully manifested and there's none on earth, that God still yet has called us to worship when it's all said and done. So worship has always been and always will be. The matter is not whether even when it comes to the issue of worship or the matter of worship, it's not just, you know, the job I work or where I live or what I drive or who my friends are or where, what's hanging in my closet or the food I eat. Really, our life is a matter of worship. And the issue is that I know that I'm to connect with God, that I'm called to have conversation with Him, which is worship, and, and, and to live my life according to Him. Uh, Because I desire to please him. You know, it's like one of those things that you do for your spouse or your kid. Not because you just feel like they're going to be mad, but you enjoy seeing them gain pleasure and, and it makes them happy. That's the way that we live our life before God is that we just want to do it because we are just so uh, so so amazed by what he's done in our life. And he continues to deal with us and connect with us. So that we live our life in such a well-pleasing manner unto God. And, and the issue is not, not all these different things that people live by, but worship in spirit is how I connect to God. So it's the matter of worship tonight that we really need to have our mind maybe challenged or maybe our spirit provoked into the fact that God's called us to always have a heart of worship. Now, we're living in a day and age that we know that people are worshiping a lot of stuff. In fact, if you're not worshiping God, then you are giving your worship somewhere else. You're always worshiping. You're always honoring or revering or and it's one way or the other, but it talks about all this and all in Romans one, and it talks about in verses twenty one through twenty six. Says, "And they knew God, and they did not glorify God. They knew Him, but did not glorify Him. They were they, they they nor were thankful, but became empty in their thoughts. Foolish ideas were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made by the corruptible man." we're living in a day where people are bringing the glory of god and dumbing it down and trying to bring god down to their level which we know we cannot and bringing it down to a man view or an eye view of humanity but it says they served the creature rather than the creator and for this reason or they they worshipped the creature rather than the creator for this reason god gave them up to vile passions now we are definitely living in a time where people worship the creation more than they worship the one that created it. People worship things where God gave man ideas, the creator invent an idea. We, we, we put our worship in so many avenues. And God, according to scripture, is such a jealous God that He's like, I don't want them worshiping over there. I created them for me. I don't care where they've been, what they've done. I still want them in my presence. Now that's pretty amazing. Because all the grace that he has in which our mind cannot comprehend, there is times in our life, why would God want to mess with me? Why would God want me again? After that, why would he want me to stand here? And God says, I don't care who you've been with. I don't care what's hanging in your closet. I don't care who you've been hanging with. I still just want you. I'm jealous. I don't want your worship that I placed in you going anywhere but unto me. So the issue, you know, is more about worship than anything else. Even God said to Moses, I want to dwell with my people. God always, I mean, since the day of Adam, he's always trying to get to the people. And then sin came, and there was always a struggle. So when Moses came, and the law was formed, and they was building the tabernacle, and we know they was building the ark of the covenant, the glory of God. They would build this wood box and they would put gold on the outside and gold along the inside and they put a mercy seat upon it where they would sprinkle blood for the day of atonement which was once a year a day of covering of everyone's sins so that they would be good for the next year, for the whole year. But the bro- they had the broken tablets as well on the inside of it that Moses had, had shattered and Aaron's bud was in there along with some manna. Just and Then all of a sudden God says let's put a lid upon it Those things will be maintained on the inside. And God told Moses, he said, when you build the ark, I want you to put rings on each corner. Now, the reason for the rings is, is he said, I want people to carry my glory, being a type and shadow of the New Testament church. that, That he had them carrying the glory and that we see that when the New Testament church started in the book of Acts, the Spirit of God began to dwell inside of humanity. Shown us again, it was meant for us to carry his glory, that we were created to carry his glory, his presence. amen. And he said, they will take staffs and put them through rings so they can carry it, and the rod would rest on their shoulder, shoulders. Why they would carry it. And this thing was heavy. took a few good men to carry it, and they would put it on their shoulders, that there is a weight upon us. A weight that is light. But a weight that when the world sees us, they know that's how we identify the people of God. Because that weight has influence and effect. That weight is the anointing of God. It is what makes the difference in life. That when you're having a conversation and someone's intrigued, they're like, who are you? And What, what, what is this that you're talking about? And they are enticed by what you're saying. It's nothing to do with your knowledge, or intellect. It's because that there is a weight setting upon you, which is the glory of God in your life. And the reason why God put those rings in there is because God knows us all too well. He said, I created them. I know what they're capable of. Do you realize God didn't create us and say, what did I do? (laughs) He knew that he made us with faults, that we would have that. That there would be those things about us, that just those hiccups and hangups. But he said, I want to show them that I love them, even that they have those things. And he knows if he only blesses us where we are, that we'll just be focused on the blessing and we'll forget Worship. So God said, I'm going to show them how to carry my glory that we know in the Old Testament that the cloud would would be over them. A fire by night and a cloud by day. When the cloud and the fire would move, you know what they had to do? They had to pick up this heavy ark. They had heavy wood, heavy gold, and, and different types of metals and things on the inside of it. It was pretty big. And here they are carrying it. They would have to get up and carry it because if they just stayed in one place, then they would just live in blessing, never really looking at the act of worship. And the ark reminded them of worship because there's a mercy seat and sacrifices there. Because I'll go ahead and tell you, worship in truth and worship in spirit is sacrifice that it costs you. David said, I won't offer anything to God unless it costs me something. Whether it's in truth, or whether it's in spirit, worship will cost you. So you see, they would follow the cloud everywhere, and they would go with the cloud. So God said, whenever you get comfortable, put those rings on the box, because the cloud is going to begin to move, and I'm going to get you to move with me. You know, God doesn't want us always comfortable. If all that God did is just shed out blessings on us, and we never went through anything, I don't think we would ever worship We just get used to it and comfortable. So sometimes when God wants us to get somewhere, he has to put the blessing in front of us that we're going to fight through the trial, the sickness, or the the pandemic, or whatever it may be. But God does this to tell us that blessing is not staying where we are, but that the blessing is going to be where we are going. So it is a matter of worship. Worship always takes you somewhere. But it always takes you to God. Always takes you right into his presence. See, the ark is becoming. Was the distinguishing mark. Of the people of God. The enemy had learned about this ark. The enemy knew that. When those people show up. And that ark is with them. They win. So what are we going to do? We're going to to steal it. So they take it. And 20 years are under Saul. And they have defeat. But when they have the ark, they always win. I'm telling you, you're always winning when you allow the presence of God to be in your life. And when you live your life as an act of worship before God, even when it comes hell, you worship. When it comes sickness, you worship. When it comes it looks like defeat in your face, you worship. Whether your friends are with you or whether they're not, you worship. Whether it snows, rains, sleets, come high water, valleys high, or valleys low, mountains high, it don't matter what depth of the sea you may be in, you still yet worship. That is what brings victory. So the ark is the distinguishing mark, and that's what distinguishes you and I. See, the distinguishing mark is the church is not that we have the omnipresence of God. See, the, old earth, the whole earth, even now, is surrounded by the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere. See, Satan can only be in one place at one time, and his imps and all his spiritual wickedness and all those armies, he's got a spiritual darkness. They can only be in one place at one time, but God is everywhere. But there's a difference between God's omnipresence and then God's manifest presence. Amen. See, the people of God has the manifest presence of God. Everybody in the world is surrounded by what God... Who do you think keeps the world together? Right. I'm going to tell you, it's not a political party. <laughs> <laughs> it's not trying to save the world through acts of this and that. God keeps it together. The Bible says, as long as the earth remains, that there's gonna be summer and winter, right? It don't matter what you say about global warming. As long as the earth remains, I just know outsmarted all of them. <laughs> I'm being serious. Think about it. We're all, we're gonna kill. We all won't be here. Well, you better believe one day we won't be here, and this whole place is gonna be burned on fire, because God's already said it. Not because there's an iceberg melting. But God's presence fills the earth and as long as the earth remains, God says there's going to be seasons, there's going to be hot and cold, there's going to be summer and winter and you know, who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe what God says or am I going to believe what somebody in science has to say that has not even had the manifest presence of God? Now that's a bold statement to make, but the people of God has the manifest presence of God and no matter where you are, you're there in this deep. God is there, no matter where you go, where you travel. And the problem we have in our lives today is that we get used to the things that God provides. And when we get used to things, then we begin to look more to the things than we do the presence. We get used to the comfortable. Then all of a sudden things get uncomfortable. And you're like, man, I, maybe I've not been giving my worship. So they had the presence of God and the Philistines came under the cover of darkness and they took the ark and they took it to their camp. Isn't it amazing the enemy is more aware of our strength than we are? That that they knew when they took the presence that their victory would be lost. Your greatest victories is when you come to God in worship and God begins to manifest his presence. The whole time David was carrying the ark back, they worshipped in spirit fact david built a tent he had the poorest looking temple when he brought the ark back he put it in a tent that when he would look out his window they say theologians say that he could see the glory of god from the tent now solomon built a palace which was matchless and worth. And then the tabernacle was just so instrumental and had, and, and the ark was hidden and it was divided. But David set up worship where there was 24 7, someone always before the ark, always worshiping God, and God was always manifesting his presence right there under David's leadership. That's what he thought about the presence. And, and, and when he got it back, he's like, God, I, I'm not worried about a fancy church house. I'm not worried about. Uh, or a desire something fancy to put this in. God, I just really want everybody to be exposed to your presence. I don't want it to be like it used to be when the high priest could only go in, but God, what we experience as we bring the art back and why I dance wasn't just a fleshly thing, but I danced because your manifest presence is there and I, I didn't care who was looking. I believe when the gods really manifest them, we don't care what worship looks like. It should be undignified. It should look like in a certain posture of just worship and stiff and and all those things no it should be free it should be have a noise it should have a sound it should be free in expression free of emotion whatever that is for you I mean uh, you just need to be free in it and you know don't allow pride to keep it in but shed off those things and begin to go after god with all that you have in worship i mean it's just When I watch musicians play, I like when our guys just sitting there and they're running those. They're worshiping while they're playing, or the singers are worshiping while they're singing. They're just not trying to get a song out there. They're just worshiping God in the moment, and we shouldn't be worried about what's around us. We we got to shed that for this moment of worship to God. But it's just not made for the house of God. It's made in our everyday life. See, we are so busy, though, sometimes, protecting everything else. Just like the children of Israel did when they lost the ark. They were so busy protecting everything else, but they did not protect what mattered. We, I like to park my cars in the garage. Right now, I can't get one in. Kristen's got a lot more stuff in but she gets it. I was like, she said, you can park in the garage. I said, well, I didn't know. Next day she had a field with stuff. She's like, well, he's outside out of the garage now. He's okay, But we, we lock our houses at night to protect ourselves. We, we put our money in a bank or in a safe. We, we, we guard certain things and safeguard it. We keep things that we don't want else to know safe. We, we, we put our vehicles in garages. But the presence of God is even more vital in all those things Have we become so loose with these presents. And being close to him, that it doesn't matter. That's just a question. I'm not saying that we are, but that's just what is on my heart tonight. And the enemy said, if we defeat him, we've got to catch them why it doesn't matter to them. And when it didn't matter, and they had lost the glory, it didn't matter because there was a high priest that had just allowed anything to happen. In God doesn't want us to live like hell and the devil all week, and then justify it by His grace. No, it's because of His grace I can live right because I want to please Him. It doesn't earn me anything. It's just a desire, relationship. It's out of relationship, right. and they had lost that. And as they was doing in morality in the temple, they came and they told the high priest, "The glory of God's taken," and instantly. He fell over and broke his neck. Died right there. said he was already old in age, but he knew then, I've really missed it. Because now the presence of God's gone. We should take such a vital importance of the presence of God in our life every day. That even when you're talking and having fun, even though you may be entertaining company, God's weight's still on you. Whether you're doing business or taking the kids to school or doing your job, the weight of God's glory is still on you. So we protect that weight in us, knowing that it's special, knowing that He manifests in our life, knowing that He works even when we don't see it, that He's manifesting in places when we don't even know that He's manifesting in places on our behalf. And we do this because we just love Him our relationship. We can become so good, though, at having church that we can miss God's presence. We can be so good at it that we miss that. And, and can I tell you, it's not my job to usher in his manifest presence in here. It's not the worship team's job the manifest, to bring that in. You're called to be a worshiper, and we worship together. It shouldn't be entertainment. It shouldn't be something we are passive with, but it's something that in that moment that we take serious. And God created us to worship. He he created us to have moments where he manifests himself. See, for the entire time that Saul was king, they never inquired about the presence of God. Never inquired about it. We're among a generation that knows how to inquire of each other. We are among a culture that, that they can inquire about culture all over the place, but very few can make the decisions that they need to when it comes to the manifest presence of God, will they inquire the Lord? They can inquire of so many other places, but will they take time to inquire the Lord? Is our minds that busy? Are our lives that busy that we will not inquire of his ark, of his presence upon our life? It's not that the fact that the Saul did not inquire, he just did not inquire of God. Because it was not much sacrifice for him. Nothing was fighting him to go to the witch of Endor to get advice. Saul went so low. He had been anointed. He knew what the presence of God was like. But now that had become such sacrifice and so dismissed because the ark is gone. The presence of God is not among the nation. And though he can call on God, and though he was anointed, and the presence of God was there, and that God used Saul mightily and manifested among him came to a point that no longer did he protect even the presence of God in his life, much less the nation in which he was living. I've come by to tell you it's a matter of worship. My life's not determined by the stars I'm born under or the month I was born, but it's determined that's just the fact. Jeremiah 29 tells you that God's got plans for me, a purpose for me, an expected end for me. That he has called me to connect with him. When a church loses the concept of worship, we will become man-centered. We don't want it built upon a man or upon a personality, but we need it to be built upon the manifest presence of God. We don't want it built upon just things and legalistic things and have to have this and do this and got to do all these works before this happens. No, God says, listen, you can't do anything to earn it. But he said, when it comes to my presence, all I want is to manifest my presence in your life is just come to me in moments of worship when you gather in private times at your house. Just spend time with me. See, during the time of Saul, the Philistines they had the ark. We know that, but the people of God, without the presence of God in the nation, God's nation, kept going on about business without the presence of God. They was reading scriptures. He's doing the duties of the tabernacle without the presence of God. They had all the motions. They were doing it all, but yet had no weight. I don't want to stand up here and it be light. I want it to be heavy. That when that yokes break, that healing takes place, that people are intrigued and enticed and drawn. Like, what is drawing? What's so different about that place? Just because that place is honoring God in truth, honoring God in service, honoring God in worship, God begins to bring even more manifestation of his heaviness. See, the heaviness is not about a feeling either. See, I've heard people say, I'll move when the mover comes. I'm like, well, the mover's been in you since you got saved. <laughs> you got to move before you feel the mover, even. Many times I'm pure worshiping, got my hands up. Don't mean I'm always feeling, well, Pastor Scott, he's off the Spirit. He's always in the Spirit. A lot of times I don't even, I, I feel like it may be the last song before I get there, but I'm going to worship anyhow. You may have got it on the first thing. But we worship not by what we feel, but by what we know. Everything we do is about faith. It's not about sight or feelings. Just because you worship doesn't mean you're not going to have another problem or sickness or pain. doesn't mean that you're never going to have another bad day. But worship does say it will bring, it will bring aid to everything in my life. To the fact that even when I don't get my miracle, I worship. Even when my car breaks down on the way to church, I'm going to worship. Even when relationships fail, I'm going to worship. Even when my kids are crazy, I worship because God is central of my life. And not the things that He created. But the Creator is central in my life. May I tell you today that you can have church without preaching? But you can't have church without worship. Worship. It's just who we are. We were created to connect with God. All the knowledge in Scripture is all great, but you God, still have worship. Everything we do in the house of God is set up to worship God. Right now is an act of worship. Walking in, setting up, people that set up this evening, act of worship. You just driving here and pushing to get here this evening on a weekday is an act of worship. Every bit of it's worship. And God's just manifesting and working on your behalf. There's times you come and you say, Well, it wasn't for me, but it's pretty good. But then there's times you come like, I really pushed to get there, and that was definitely for me. But you don't know what you might say because there's a weight upon you or the worship that you have that may touch someone else in the house that you don't even know. You may not even be feeling anything, but because they see you worship, they're like, man, there's something about this worship. Because it's not about a feeling, there's still yet a weight, even when there's not a feeling. When David was char- became charged, he became king. David said, we- We've had not had the presence of God the entire time Saul was king. And when David was out by the sheep, before he was ever anointed to be king, he was still a person that worshiped. Even when Saul had a troubling spirit, he called David to come in. They said, We knew a guy. Tell how you got to know David. Came in, he played a harp, worshiped some, and it shifted the atmosphere in such a way that. Saul never had that troublesome spirit again. Whether Saul was worshiping or not, I don't know, but I do know David came and worship, so that lets me know that your worship in spirit sets people free around you. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.